We can't be there in person, but we are talking about a virtual San Diego Comic-Con this week. Welcome to Panelism, the podcast where we talk about comic books and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. I'm Todd A. Taylor Trask. It is Comic-Con week, Todd. It is. Well, it's and supposed it's, to be, but it's not. I, honestly, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I got mixed feelings about it. I'm, you know, I'm excited for what we got to talk about today. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited for a virtual Comic-Con. It's not the same, of course. Um, but I just took a walk around my neighborhood, sweated right through my shirt. So part of me is kind of cool with not being around 200,000 people. <laughs> you should just for all time, say, take a train to San Diego and just kind of walk the pier and just sort of, you know, <laughs> you know mournfully the, look. Uh, and... Charlie Brown, sad music playing in the I was going to say, like no, no. I was going to say the Bill Bixby, sad Hulk music. Like, <laughs> da, da, da. Just, you know, you in a knapsack just into the sun, into the distance. That'd be kind of I mean, cool. That's a great Instagram photo. You do it for uh, us, Todd. Do it for us. It will surprise no one if you've listened to our previous podcast on Comic Con that I did, I did in fact buy a new backpack this year. That's right. <laughs> so I like every year. I'm like, okay, is it gonna be a backpack or shoulder bag? Backpack? Shoulder? No, it's gonna be this backpack because this backpack is whatever. And then uh, this one that I love that I've taken the last couple of years, um, I got a new color of it. So. Hey. It's so stupid. For some reason, that reminds me. This has nothing to do with anything, but it reminds me of the Jim Brewer story about Lars Ulrich. The time the it was Jim Brewer does great impressions of all his friends, and so his his Lars impressions spot on. But go find it on YouTube. He talks about the night he and Lars spent on the town in New York, and it ended with Lars finding some college kid's knapsack and throwing a fit about it. And like Jim had to like talk him down because Lars is either drunk or high or both. It's a funny story, but you just talking about backpacks. What? Yeah. Yeah. Random, completely. I, you know, if you've never heard of this before, look it up because a, you'll be like, oh, Jim Brewer was really funny. He still is. Yeah. Like you kind of forget, like, wow, he was really, really solid. And B, he just tells a lot of really good stories. So you'll probably want to go down a rabbit hole and just listen to all the Jim Brewer stories because all his stories are his standup is basically his stories where he just does the impressions yeah. of his friends and they're it's perfect. I was gonna say he he kind of became like a Kevin Smith of like heavy metal world where he just he took yeah. the stories he told about his real life were like funnier than the standup you know like jokes or or um uh. What do you call those things on Zyronet Live? Skits? Skits, sketches. <laughs> sketches. The Kevin Smith, the Kevin Smith uh, comparison is apt because that is kind of what – I don't think – I'm not – I don't believe Jim Brewer has like joke jokes. I think it's all just stories that are just really freaking – I mean that's what Kevin Smith – Kevin Smith hasn't ever claimed he was a stand-up, but he kind of operates as one. Yeah. But it's, it's a lot of just really good kind of – observational slash storytelling, you know, like he'll have a premise. He'll, he'll, he'll come out with just a premise about something he just wants to bitch about. And that will lead to like 25 tangents that all sort of like, you know, he's able to like whiteboard it in his head and like pull it back to the, <laughs> which that's a man talk about, let's bring it back to comic-con. That's a comic-con panel 
the Kevin Smith one that is not happening this year. That was like a probably one of the longest running, most consecutive panels. You know uh, that you just you just made me uh, like as we were talking about it, I, I thought, oh wait, is it not? happening it is in fact happening it and is. that means everyone can join an evening with kevin smith oh. on saturday at 6 p.m yay we'll get to that um no yeah. this news this is breaking news for me this is great. <laughs> well i mean one of the overwhelming things uh never mind never mind let's go through the intro stuff first yes and we'll, we'll yes. get into this yeah yeah yes, yes, yes. we are talking about comic-con today in case it wasn't obvious or you didn't read the description so get ready that's that's to come hey before we jump into that I want to give a quick shout out while I was, we were, we were set to record about mm, 30 minutes ago and you had an Amazon delivery and that bought me some time. And I had earlier <laughs> today saw a little, a little ad for this. So I grabbed Batgirl number 47, which has just come out. Ooh. Highly recommend it uh, because it is a direct sequel, a direct canonized sequel as an issue to the uh, graphic novel, The Killing Joke. And if you know anything about The Killing Joke, the you know Batgirl, the Barbara Joker storyline is one of the most divisive, let's just say, events in DC history. Um, and this totally, it, it both uh, answers, it's, it's a great follow-up, but it also gives Barbara so much amazing agency. But it's also just really freaking well illustrated. Like it is, it's just, it is, the, the cinematography of the thing is is wonderful. There's some things early on that I don't want to spoil. Um but the whole the whole premise of the story is the Joker shows up at her apartment again, um, mm. so just keep that and, and it, it ties into whatever the larger DC or Batman canon is right now. But this it it functions as both a a you know another issue in that series, but also is almost kind of a, cl- a clever little one shot where if you didn't if you didn't even know the rest of the current Beth you know Batman mythos in terms of like what's going on, um, it, this is just a nice little echo on the. Oh uh, the man. So it's, definitely it's, grab. That's my Comic Con week pick of the week. Pick of the yeah, week. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I'm afraid to get into the whole killing joke thing. Um, not so much that, but like the continuity issues. But, um, but no, that's I, I, I'm glad you brought a uh, comic recommendation. And it's um, all because you had to, you had to buy some goddamn crap from Amazon and pick it up. That's the only reason, Todd. That's the only man, reason. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just a balance of the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of all, all the stuff we got to do to keep ourselves safe. And um, I I truly wish that I had more alternatives to Amazon, but, you know, they are, unfortunately, uh, you know, my majority supplier of everything. And this week they actually had <laughs> toilet bowl cleaner and Lysol ah, wipes. And I was like, I got to jump on that. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, so as we've mentioned, it is Comic-Con week. Um San Diego Comic-Con, I have gone for 13 years, 12 years, something like that. Yeah. From from 2008 up until 2019, so 12 years. Um, uh, And yeah, so this is a a big deal. I'm so glad they called it off. I mean, I remember in March and April, as cases got worse, thinking like, there's no way I will feel safe in that that environment like i mean it's uh it's you're you're way too closely packed there's no way to police like a six foot distance you know masks no mask it's not even going to matter i mean and 
a thing we brought up many times, which I hope is just a, a point of comic relief, although it seems really stark in these times, is that I did catch swine flu in 2009 at oh, Comic-Con. I keep forgetting this. <laughs> so I have, you know, been quarantined after Comic-Con. My, my doctor was like, wow, you're Orange County patient zero. You know, we haven't seen this yet. And they had to send my stuff to the CDC and get it verified. Oh, wow. Tell me to stay home. Um, it's... Uh, Nonetheless, like I have, you know, I've returned, I have gone with caution as we've, my, my friends and I have gotten older, we've, you know, uh, adapted certain uh, comfort um, uh, habits, you know, um, but like as you know, we're, we're just, we're especially in the world of Uber and Lyft, as I always say, like, it's much easier to like check out, go back to the friend's house, take a nap, take a shower, so, you know, anything to like feel like, hey, I'm not like flesh to flesh with hundreds of thousands of people and this was um, but let's keep in mind they canceled it back in what was it april was that somewhere in april it seems like that's when it i happened. Well, i want to say it was may i like i remember okay. it, like getting pushed but uh dragon con only canceled like last week so dragon con is even more flesh on flesh literally what, like, remind it's like me a, what dragon con is in the year it is labor day so okay. it, it's coming up like you know first weekend of september in atlanta um, you know, a hotspot, but the whole, uh, I mean, you know, Comic-Con has sim a similar thing where the, there are hotels next, you know, on I every side of the convention center where it's full of guests, but Dragon Con, those hotels are literally connected with skywalks. So oh, Jesus. <laughs> you, there is no, you know, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I, there's nothing different about Comic-Con, but you know, at Dragon Con to go to my room, I had to take a, an elevator and I was never on an elevator with less than like 10 people, you know, like on a tiny elevator. Well, what um, I, where I was going with all this was that they announced in May, hey, we're going to cancel yeah. it. Imagine if they hadn't and like they didn't anticipate oh, this God. surge that we're in right now where California might have to shut yeah. down again just as a whole thing. Um, I, they, I'm so glad that they did because then give them a little bit of time to actually plan the cool stuff that we're about to talk about, which is a lot of virtual stuff. Um, the, you know that they've got planned but you've you've also sort of crafted your own home con i think pretty well i'm actually kind of inspired by your, oh, your cool. stuff so jump jump in yeah and i i'll just kick this off with saying that um comic cons all over the world are getting canceled so it's not just san diego um uh, i i i, I want to say emerald city was one of the first ones to get canceled i can't remember if they went through with it this year the Se seattle one because mm -hmm. that's always sort of february march um but this is this seriously impacts creators. So I would say one of the first things you can do to have a good virtual con is get on Instagram, look up your favorite <clears throat> creators, artists, and writers, follow them. Almost all of them have a Patreon or a, um, a, a Ko-Fi or coffee or whatever that you know tipping system is called, um, and it's you know throw them a couple bucks because they are losing out on a ton of income from this. Mm. And especially if they had planned in advance, that means they probably already spent the money on making all those prints and everything. Oh, um, good point. You know, so they're stuck with like inventory at home and they are probably really happy to sign it, personalize it and ship it to you. Um, so they do that first. That's what I would say. That's your first step into the virtual comic con. Um, but I also, uh, I, a couple, uh, you know, I, I started thinking about this, like, how do I kind of duplicate a Comic-Con at home? How do I keep up with this? Um, 
so on one hand, it's cool to be able to focus on panels. On the other hand, I didn't take off <laughs> from work like I usually do. So I'm going to be squeezing in panels in between everything. Comic-Con is doing, um, a, I mean, it looks to me like the same load of panels. Now, there are a lot that are missing. Um, there are a lot of things that just won't fly, like, you know, the big room, the big screening kind of thing. But there's a really full slate. And I think for the most part, these are all going to be open YouTube streams. Oh, if, so, lo so lovely. Yeah. If you go to comic-con.org, that is the official San Diego Comic-Con website, right in the front there, you're going to, you know, on the homepage, you're going to see a 2020 Comic-Con at home. Um, click on it. You'll get a schedule. Every single event has a YouTube link on it already so um you can uh you know there's even a scheduling app if you want to go so far as to like add all these to your your own custom queue and get reminded when they're all coming up um but that's you know to me it's like i i'm i'm gonna get a hopefully get a lot out of those panels feel feel a little bit of that magic uh but i you know i also sat down this week after i got the the schedule from Comic-Con and I, I actually only, I think got one vendor email me about like how they're going to do Comic-Con exclusives, which is a cool idea that they're, you know, doing them online and releasing them sort of like the same way, you know, like here's the Thursday exclusive, here's the Friday exclusive. Um, and it may just be that I've <laughs> successfully avoided getting added to all of those mailing lists, but mm. I was, I was a little bit surprised that I wasn't like overwhelmed with, you know, Here's every exclusive. I'm surprised um, um, Drowning Quarterly hasn't dropped a, a big sale of some kind yet. That's yeah. the main ones that go hog wild every year. Yeah. So I, I um, like I said, with, you know, supporting artists, I was also thinking about what are the things I miss at Comic-Con? Um, and <laughs> unfortunately, the top 10 were all like spend money on something. <laughs> of course. Um I didn't even put them all in our notes because I just kept thinking like, well, then I buy this and I buy that. And I was like, oh, my God, it's just just buying stuff um i buy comics uh, you mentioned batgirl that's one of those things too where you know i can see myself in some vendor's booth and going like oh wow this ties into the killing joke let me pick that up you know just that thing of like i can get this anywhere at any time but if i'm right there it's you know it's full of comics um i i, I stock up on comics you know that's that's one of the things my friends and i have talked about is like what what are we going to do this year we're not all going to come back with like a bag of like what do we you know, what are we reading next? Uh, fortunately for me, um, <laughs> and a big plug to the people at Humble Bundle, um, Humble Bundle had an image bundle, and it's humblebundle.com. Tell people, they, for those of you who have never heard of it, explain the concept. Sure. They do, uh, and I'm sure there is an actual schedule to this, but it, it seems to be sort of monthly-ish. They do bundles of... Um, a whole bunch of geeky stuff that you might like. And you are able to sort of buy in at a tier, get this whole bundle of stuff, and then designate how much of that is going to go to the uh, the brand that donated it, how much of it's going to go to a charity, and then a tip for Humble, Humble Bundle. So, for example, this image bundle for, I think it was 18 bucks, you could get 90-something graphic novels. It was insane. Wow. So they were all just, and they gave you the option, EPUB, PDF, or CBZ. So you, like for that $18 donation, I was able to say, hey, you know, give five bucks to Image, give five bucks to the charity, and give five bucks to 
Humble Bundle, you know, Howard, sorry, I'm not (laughs) doing the math correctly, but, you know, I was able to adjust it as I wanted. Um, So if you want to give the brand nothing, you can do that. Uh, Often they have uh, video games, a lot of Steam games. Um, Earlier this year, I bought a Humble Bundle from Asmodee um, that was all like a a Steam and uh, other online systems like their their tabletop games that are we talked about this a little bit last week of adapted to uh digital play um i've bought a ton of rpg stuff on humble bundle where you know it's like i'm like oh, i'm kind of curious in pathfinder here's a hundred books on it like <laughs> you know so i'll get everything um anyway they had an image bundle this week and i'm sure by the time our episode airs it is it has since expired because they are all limited time but you know, I hesitated briefly, very, very briefly on, on whether to buy it or not, pulled the trigger. Um, but it was that thing of like you hesitate because you go, I don't need 90 graphic novels. Well, that's just it. You you had sent this link to Drew and I yeah. <laughs> uh, on Google Hangouts. And I was like – and I was serious. I was like, are you trying to intentionally blow up my TBR pile? It's already bad enough. Like this this would put me in, in complete uh, TBR debt for, you know – at oh, least yeah. three years minimum. It's just like I mean, I would never buy another new thing again. It would be awful. So I I had to decline this particular <laughs> one, but then I went and grabbed um, two things that I saw featured in it anyway, just to support those folks. But but it, it, this was one of those bundles where I want to say that I want to say it was even this year, but it may have been last year when I I think very similar circumstances. I had sent an image bundle out to you mm-hmm. and Drew, mm-hmm. and that was a case where. Everything I was interested in, I already owned a good portion oh, of it. That's so, right. yeah, or yeah, it was yeah. a thing like I already have some of these in print. I don't really want the digital copy too. So I did not do that bundle. But this mm-hmm. bundle had a whole bunch of stuff that I've always wanted to check out. And it felt like for 18 bucks, you know, like I'm gonna do this and it's it's you know, it's worth the price of admission. Um, so I just thought I'd call it a couple of those. Monstress is a thing where I've I've seen um and her name just escaped me. <laughs> Oh dear, that was a. I will. It's I, not Marjorie Lou, is it? Uh, I have oh it pulled gosh. up right here. It is. Good. It is Thank Marjorie Lou. Okay, I've and seen her on Santa a Santa uh, Takeda as the yeah. artist. and really cool art, and like I've you know enjoyed watching them on panels at Comic Con past, but had never checked out the book and got volumes one through four in this bundle, um, Invincible Volume One through Three, which is a book that you've. Have you read all of Invincible? Oh, God, no. I've read the latter half just about, but I am ignorant of the first half, which is great because Amazon's doing their animated uh, movie. Um, They just announced the voice cast for as as of this moment. But, like, no, it's uh, the early stuff because the animation – or the animation – the illustration gets better as the series progresses and they bring in new illustrators and stuff. So it's those first couple volumes. Let me know how you like them because I've heard mixed things. Well, uh, but as complete as I'll have to go back anyway. And you know, out. it's the um, it's the sample platter, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But because of the the completeness of the bundle, it's it it is to me more appealing than if I just you know a bundle of single issues is just going to drive me crazy mm-hmm. because then I'm going to find ten things that I want all the you know the follow up on and I'm going to have to spend hundreds of dollars to to you know to collect that if I wanted it. Um, with this, it's like hey, volume one through three. If I love the first volume, I got follow-up. But, uh, you know, if I don't like it, no problem. There's plenty of other stuff in this bundle. Um, uh, Nailbiter is a comic that my friend Craig had recommended to me. 
Uh, it's about like I think I think the premise is what if every serial killer was it, like born in the same town? Um, oh, said that's it is not crazy the, uh, graphic. That is a great. I did not realize at all. That's what that was about. <laughs> um, and when he had, he had told me about it a week before I saw this bundle, I looked it up on Comicsology, and I think the first volume might be free to borrow. And you know, and I was like, ah, eh, whatever. But you know, it comes in a bundle, volume one through six. So again, if I like it, I got five more volumes. I'm not um, gonna lie. I thought Nailbiter for real was a story about somebody with trichotillomania, where they had. This- <laughs> like you know but like in a hip sort of you know in vogue comics way i was like that seems interesting i'll that'll be later later on i didn't realize it was about assassins or something cool like that that's so i'll have to give it a look um nowhere men which oh I yes following yes um, they're not like us as well there was Ooh, a, at one. least both of, them, both of them eric stevenson <clears throat> led titles uh he's the publisher at image and he had to cancel his own titles it's very sad but yes, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, another one that uh, Craig recommended called God Country, which is one of those where I had grabbed the single issue. Uh, I think maybe at Comic-Con where I picked up like the first issue of it and then it just didn't follow up. You know, it's one of those like, oh, I'll get the trade when it comes out. You know, forgot all about it. It's in this bundle. Snot Girls, a title I've always I, been curious about. God Country you're going to like. I, oh, I, cool. Uh, really maybe dug- you and I had talked about it and – that led me to pick it up or something. I know I have like issue one sitting in my, I grabbed a, an exclusive trade uh, cover of that at a wonderful little comic book shop in um, Raleigh, North Carolina. When I, when I was there, ah, when was that three years ago now? Jesus, I was out there several times. Yeah. The Stop there. And so I have a, a great little uh, exclusive blue cover, but it's, um, it's a lovely little boy. It's a you know, one, one volume series, yeah. it, but it's it, wonderful. What, that is a great thing that <clears throat> Craig pitched as well, which is like, hey, it's wrapped up in six issues, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's, that just sounds like such a cool idea. Um, there's another one like that called uh, We Stand Guard. That was one where I'd also gotten it. You know, maybe these came from the image single issue sale where I think it's sort of about like battle mechs, kind of a um, uh, Pacific Rim sort of situation or something uh, where I'd gotten one issue and was like, I'm intrigued, but never followed up and now I've got a whole volume of it. Um, there's also, I mean, it's probably too late to take advantage of this now in humble bundle, but there was black science volume one through five in there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know our buddy drew was excited about picking up. He said that makes it worth the, you know, the entrance price. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's how I felt about monstrous. Like, Hey, that's, <clears throat> you know, there's the entrance fee <laughs> for four volumes of that. Um, but that I, so I definitely feel like I got my comics covered, <laughs> you know, uh, and obviously you and I are, are, you know, we, we try to support indie publishers and, and, and proactively shop local and stuff like that. So, I, you know, I'm not totally doing a good job of that with humble bundle, but it, you know, allowed me to mainline the comics this week. Um, and I, I so I, you know, further thought, what else do I miss? And the past couple of years, uh, as I've gotten into a, a gaming hobby, um, although I'm by no means a, a, a you know good collector or or super hobbyist to that, um, I have been checking out role playing games as well as going to like the board game demos and stuff like that with my friend Chris, and I have had to you know I, I fortunately this is one of those things where it, um, you know a lot of times you you have to sort of consciously set in motion like how do I how do I do good with my money and my purchases or something and um, I. I had a, a moment of clarity a couple of weeks ago where I thought, you know what, you, 
don't be so hard on yourself for for using Amazon for a lot of stuff because I am getting really active on Patreon and Kickstarter. And mm-hmm. that is money directly to creators, you know, yeah. and I felt like and that's new stuff that wouldn't make yeah. sense without you. And I, so that I feel has filled that gap. And even this morning I was filling out a backer kit where I had, uh, there's a, you know, if you're unfamiliar on Kickstarter now, there's always a way to put it, throw in a, a buck that says I'm supporting this project. I'm not necessarily in it for a reward right now. The trick being when they send out the backer kit, they will offer the rewards as add-ons to that. So you're kind of like throwing in a buck to say, hey, I support you, uh, just not $75 right now. <laughs> but if you get funded, I might be interested, you know? Nice. So yeah. just this morning, I had had one of those where I thought like, oh, it's going to be like a free PDF download or something. And then I went, no, why am I why am I dicking around? This is an independent creator. They're doing something cool. Here's, you know, 20 bucks. Give me the physical thing. Um, and so that's kind of how I'm filling that gap. It's not the immediate gratification of Comic-Con where I you know, come home with a backpack full of stuff every day. But uh, th- those are my, you know, that's my outreach, I guess, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> for better or worse. Um, and of course, we do a weekly podcast on comic books. So hopefully I'm... <laughs> Before we leave the uh, world of image, I just want to mention, if you're still at home, this is July 2020. If you're listening relatively around this time, the image revolution, which is the documentary about the founding of image comics. I've seen it a few times. Awesome little documentary currently free on Amazon prime. Should you have prime? So check that out. If you are feeling like you want a little more this comic-con week back to you, Todd. Oh, (laughs) I love the, uh, (laughs) interstitial. Um, so yeah, I, then I thought, uh, we could, we could, um, talk a little bit about some programming that's going on that's virtual as we yeah. already hinted at if you go to comic-con.org you don't need a login right now to get in to see all the youtube links and stuff so I, my other thought is that it's kind of fulfilling that thing that that you and i have have talked about over the past several years which is like why aren't they putting these panels up as soon as they're done yeah you know like uh-huh. Even if you even if you could just buy a ticket to watch from home, mm-hmm. that would be great. And yeah. honestly, this is going to be a huge experiment to me this year in finding out if I would really prefer that. Because I would love to buy a one-day ticket, go do my shopping. I, I'll, I'll tell you one of the other things I miss is like talking to the creators and going yeah. to Artist Alley and stuff. So that yeah. I can't really replace. That's, you know, that's Instagram comments. Honestly, that should be the focal point of Comic-Con. Yeah. Anyway. Like that really, I mean, the panels are fun. Yes. But the Artist Alley thing is like, that's the heartbeat of the whole experience, in my opinion. That's like it, for a number of reasons. Yeah. Right? I like this idea. And maybe, you know, it's an experiment for you, but it's also an experiment for them to yeah. see you know, what the attention exactly. is, what the user experience is like, if the people, you know, if they can snag more people to be on panels, if it's virtual. Like I hear, uh, hear rumor that it's going to be like an hour long interview with Charlize Theron, just about a oh, number yeah. of things, which yeah. would she have done that necessarily? Maybe. Would it have been the same format? Probably not. No. So it's, there's a lot of, it, my guess is this is one of those things that, if if we're back to some semblance of normal next year, like this may continue alongside or like in conjunction with the physical event. And then, then you have kind of what you're about to propose. You know, you go for a day and then you just have the virtual tickets for the rest of the, you know, the rest of the week. Yeah. Uh, I, there's a, there's a terrible uh, forced scarcity with comic con, which is because of the way they sell tickets. You, you get online. If you're fortunate enough to get in, to be able to buy your, your, your badges, you can, 
buy for three people. You can buy for yourself and two other people. So you've basically got to coordinate all this online. You know, everyone's in a, their own little chat room, like waiting for one of them to, to get in. It's like a mini lottery all over. <laughs> but once you get in, there is no sense in buying one ticket. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, how could you, you don't even know the programming. So how could you even choose, you know, Thursday through Sunday? You default to buying all four days. Yeah. And then inevitably, um, you know, I, my, my friend Pat's always like, I've never had to buy a badge because one of you doesn't want to go on Sundays every year. Yeah. So he just gets a badge from someone, you know, and then goes in, does all his shopping and he's good, you yeah. know? Um, because panels you can see online later. Well, you know, buy a, like sell a digital ticket or, you know, put advertising on your YouTube channel or yes! you know, sponsors or something. And then, and then let us like, there's so many, well, you, I mean, it's, it is physically impossible for any more people to experience Comic-Con well, let know, me... in, in the space because you, there's no place for them to stay in the city, but yeah. you could do a more distant Comic-Con if it's like, Hey, here's the Friday crowd that's shopping. You here's, know? here's something that we picked up. So my, my business is flirting with uh, helping produce virtual events for like conferences and trade shows. We've got a couple test cases in the hopper right now, but uh, we learned something that I think applies very perfectly here, which is when you think about virtual events, the best uh, the most analogous example is live sports. Like you've got yeah. the football game in the stadium with all its accoutrements or baseball is probably more, more tactile than that. You got the baseball game in the stadium with all the accoutrements you get, you know, you've got the, it's a full sensory experience, but then how many extra people watch on TV, co you know, comment online. There's an entire studio that's built for people to give you an at home experience of that same thing. Like why couldn't Comic-Con have that? Yeah. It would be, so easy and it would just function as an ongoing commercial to be there live you know it's like who's not going to sit there at home and watch it lot you know digitally and go god i want to be there someday like it's just going to amp that up and make it easier to you yeah. know for people like me to make that make that leap i would do it but it's like if i was constantly reminded it's like oh my god i would just feel like i was missing out by not being there and if i physically couldn't go i can still kind of have a an experience you know if like it is tra you know tragedy of some kind or who knows I, lo I love that analogy. I definitely think more of this content should be available digitally, certainly at a much quicker pace than they've done in the past. Yeah. But to speak up for the live experience, I, there are two crucial things you're going to miss here. One is that the Hall H for all the madness of that huge place is there's they can't replicate the experience of being among the first people to see a trailer for something mm -hmm. exciting. Mm -hmm. And they can't even do that this year. Cause I don't know when the fucking theaters are going to open. Oh my God. I swore <laughs> again. I, I trying not to swear. Cause now my <laughs> niece and nephew know I have a podcast. Um, uh, but, uh, I, I mean, granted you're in a, you're in an exclusive crowd of what three to 6,000 <laughs> Yeah. when you see yeah. that trailer, but there is something exciting about that, you know? Sure. Um, you, uh, but the other thing they can't replicate that I'll stick up for in the live experience is a lot of these smaller panels that I want to see, there is something so cool about going into that panel and realizing like, there's only, there's less than 20 people here. You know, that Maneaters panel I saw last year was so, so amazing. Mm. Like that, that made me like a lifelong fan of the Ministry of Trouble um, the creators of that, you know, I was, it was, it was so great. You can hear me gush all about it in many episodes from last year, Comic-Con and then a man eaters, uh, book talk that I did as well. It's like, it, it was just such a unique and cool experience. And especially so because there were few people there. 
Um, so that's, you know, that, and that also goes along with that talking to the creators. There's just something about, you know, being able to go up to these 14 year old girls who were creators on man eaters and, and, and just tell them like, great job. <laughs> like that, your yeah, stuff is yeah. amazing. I want you to sign a poster for me. Um, you know, I wonder though, could you not replicate that? I mean, I'm even imagining, remember, remember GeoCities back in the day, course. that wonderful little service where <laughs> kids, GeoC- when you first got on the internet back in the late nineties, uh, you know, you, there was HTML to make a web page or something, but like hosting and all these other things was yeah. very difficult to come, you know, to figure out or come by for, you know, a middle school kid or high school kid even. And so there was this wonderful product called GeoCities where you could go and for, for free, for free, sign up, you know, if you pick a city um, and they were modeled after like real cities and like you, you bought, you basically like pick a lot and there's like a real road. There's like, it's, it's very sort of representative of a, of a town and a neighborhood. You pick like, you know, if you wanted to make a country music fan website, which I did, you can like go to the music city and then you have like, you know, your country music neighborhood and you basically, and you get a, a, a website sort of builder and then you can, you know, it, it functions as a real website, but it's a geo city site. Lots of people took advantage of this. The only, the only reason I bring it up is just imagine, cause remember they used to have the actual streets, right? Like you yeah, actually like, yeah visit it and like you weren't looking at like a list of profiles you're like actually looking at like an overhead map of, of the city yeah, so, so like insane. what if you had this what if you literally had a a really well done almost like infographic kind of representation of the comic-con you know trade yeah. floor and even like you know ancillary you know rooms and stuff where like i could from an overhead view go oh that's cool i'll, I'll click into this room and see what's going yeah. on and like actually you, you click in and immediately you have the live zoom panel going on you know you can come in you can you know and it doesn't have to be zoom it could be you know facebook you know whatever it is where i could come in and leave comments or questions or if it just was boring i could leave without making it feel awkward for the people in the you know there's just any number of re- ways you can make it and then shit you and i could have a panel you know like they, <laughs> yeah. they you know they could charge less for like people like us because you know we're not having to like rent physical hotel space we yeah. can just like you know sideload our, our own stuff in so like there's a lot that uh, you know they're doing a lot now, but this could be so much more if they really wanted it to be. And, and there's yeah. a moment where I wonder if they're gonna just go back to normal or really make this a a really fun experience for everybody. Well, there's definitely um, <laughs> my mind is spinning thinking of a Second Life Comic Con, oh, but um, yeah, it's basically what we'd have. It'd be amazing. <laughs> I, as much as I mean, I I you know it, it is I do feel myself in stranded in between these two worlds of like, there's something so interesting about that physical experience and not just, not just because it's physical, but because it's unique and you feel like that was a thing that evaporated in time, you know, like that panel that I saw because it was so small doesn't exist for anyone else. Like it, that's not even going to make it onto the web somewhere. Um, uh, but I, I, I am cautiously optimistic that this will reformat some other cons and, and you're uh, you centering on artist Sally a minute ago is a, a great example of that because that should be the heartbeat of comic con, but it is not the heartbeat of San Diego comic con. And it mm-hmm. is one of their real oversights. Um, you might go so far as to say failure where they, they keep squeezing the, the artists out, you know, and for the most part, I think, I think all the artists in, in true artist alley are there get their table for free they have to apply they have to you know they have to have so much published work etc so there's a 
there are qualifications for getting in, but um, the friend that we've interviewed before about his experience there, Eric Coda, I, uh, you know, I know he got squeezed out last year and now he had a lot more fun at con, but mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it, it is not the heartbeat of San Diego. And I would say Emerald City in Seattle has the best artist alley I've ever seen. Um, I would probably put Long Beach Comic Con, oddly enough, as second. Um, and I don't think San Diego has the worst. I think Dragon Con, my experience there, and, I, and granted, these are places I've been, I've been to Long, Long Beach a couple times, but Emerald City and Dragon Con have only attended once. Dragon Con had the worst artist alley, uh, not because of the artists there, but because they uh, they pushed it to the side. Like it was in like, you know, a basement of one particular hotel. Oh, it was what? very difficult to find. And you're like, what are we doing here? You know? Um, there's no just puts a bad yeah. taste in my mouth for the whole exactly. event. Even, you know, even if it was like the cool panelers or you know a really gr uh, good store yeah. sort of area or something like if just not having that be. I mean, you could even take the the novel approach. The wow, I forget what it was. Whatever that little con here in the springs, not Colorado Springs oh, yeah, Comic yeah. Con, but like the little one that I went to. The guy yeah. who runs the comic shop in Manitou puts it on. Um, it's down. It's, it was in January, um, or has been up until COVID. But they had they put the artists. They just intermingled them amongst, uh, you know, because most of the booths were like you know, like the um like the experiences were in like you know reserve rooms. The panels were in reserve rooms. This is all in a convention center kind of hotel situation. Um, and then, the uh, but the walkways to and from everything. That's where all the artist stuff was. It was just all around you at all times, which I thought was awesome. You know, they weren't. It wasn't like a specific room so much. It's just everywhere you went, you're, there was some artist with a booth that was just doing something. It was really cool. Yeah, I there, there's got to be like hopefully this brings opportunity to things like that because that can purpose can be purpose built to like a small experience. Yeah, you know, you don't need to sell two hundred thousand tickets and risk the city's you know <laughs> economy on on a show like that. Like yeah. it would be so much cooler to um, and it would it'd probably be great for the artist too to be able to stay local or at least like travel to a minimal degree, you know, mm -hmm. if they knew they were going to get that, that heightened exposure and stuff. Um, I'll say just to plug one more con, like WonderCon, which is put on by the same people as San Diego Comic-Con, that artist alley is even better than Comic-Con. You know, mm -hmm. it feels, okay. it feels like that's like not exactly equal weight, but you can easily walk through artist alley and the independent publishers and feel like, okay, you know, you're not being upstaged by anything. Whereas in San Diego, it's like, you know, the, the big publishers have built these <laughs> gigantic booths. So it feels like there's a city over there and you're, you're just kind of in the, you know, the, the slums of it in artist alley sometimes. God. Um, but it's, uh, yeah. So that, I mean, that's, you know, that's the thing I'll miss. Um, but I thought I'd uh, touch on a couple of the, the panels that jumped out to me. And if, if you saw any that jumped out to you jump in, um, there are, you know, one of the interesting things is Wednesday is always preview night. And the only way to get to um, preview night now, I guess you maybe there are panels you can go to. There are panels you can go to on Wednesday. You don't need the special preview night badge, but it's a night for people to go get exclusives. If they've bought a four day pass, you can add on this preview night badge. So that's kind of one of the other unique things that's going to go away. But there are Wednesday panels starting the afternoon. Um, so that is the day we're publishing this. Um uh, Nothing super jumped out to me on Wednesday, and it may just be because of my own schedule. I thought I can't make it. Um, but Thursday, there was a whole bunch of competition. There's this one. Oh, dude, uh, Thursday's ridiculous. I, <laughs> Thursday I'm is looking at it right day. now, just just crying because I'm like, I yeah, I might have to have four screens open 
I don't know what I'll do, but I know. exactly. And they're all like at the same time. So uh, building a geek brand was one that jumped out to me on Thursday. Um, it is at the same time as NPC storytelling and games, which I think is focused on uh, video games. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's hosted by uh, a writer that I've plugged before, Sam Mags, um, and she uh, works for a video game company. So I, I think that's what it's focused on. But I'm interested, like just in RPG, you know, storytelling in general. Like, yeah, let me let me hear about that. There's a Bad Girls panel at eleven, <laughs> which I like. Is like, hey, we're not just talking about Barbara Gordon. <laughs> we're going to talk about all the Bad Girls, uh, and. I, uh, not, you know, I've just didn't, I don't have a lot of exposure to Cassandra Kane. I know she's probably everybody's second favorite if, if Barbara Gordon is their first. Um, but I got a plug for Stephanie Brown, like awesome yeah. bad girl was so bummed out when they retconned all that crap. Um, but it also happens at the same time as a panel called Holly weird science, which I was interested in. Ooh. Um, which I, I, of course I have, uh, have scrolled off of the description. It was, um, uh, a constructive examination of the depiction of science and scientists in TV and film. And I, I think that's so funny. Um, you know, sort of taking the, the myth busters approach to like the depiction of the entire discipline. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then on uh, Friday, there is a, there's a panel called crazy talk, um, mental health, pop culture, and the pandemic that um, is right at the time where I've got a standing weekly meeting I'm going to try to push that away so that I can go to this panel. Uh, but it is also at the time of what you previewed. The There's a Charlize Theron sit-down called Evolution of a Badass, which sounds yeah. awesome. Um, I <laughs> just recently re-listened to the How Did This Get Made episode on um, the fate of the Furious and them gushing about Charlize Theron in that movie and how she fits into the Fast and Furious world. and how The, the you know, car the, witch! Uh, you know, this amazing actor who sort of elevates the performances of all these, like, you know, um, hams, you know, to like, uh, to give better performances, um, except Tyrese and Ludacris, they were given, you know, a hundred percent all the time. Um, anyway, then there's a, on Saturday, I, I, there are a whole bunch on Saturday. That was kind of overwhelming. The Kevin Smith talk is Friday, uh, Saturday evening. Um, there's a finance for creatives I thought I would call out, which is a, you know, there's always good practical panels like that at Comic-Con. And if anything, this situation, the virtual Comic-Con is, is really going to highlight, you know, it's almost like, um, what do I want to say? It's almost like, I mean, it is all, uh, uh, like an online course where it's like, Hey, I want to take the business track Well, you can go through and just like pick out those really easily, you know? Oh. And um, I'm assuming because it's YouTube, it's probably like after the panel's done, the video's probably locked in there, right? And you can just mm-hmm. replay it. Mm-hmm. So if you miss it at 10 a.m., it's probably available at 11. Well, that's just it. Watch. I'm hoping yes, because they're, if it's free and open to just access, they should keep it up for at least the rest of the week, but hopefully indefinitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that's because if that's the case, Thursday becomes a lot easier. I can just you know cascade that content out over the following week because I'll probably end up watching most of it. Um, or at least having it on the background while I work. It's, there's just a lot of good stuff. Oh yeah. And it, uh, it's, yeah, I'm, I I really hope that they, if, if they, if they don't make it all public, I hope it's because they're running experiments on how to make it all public. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And that they will eventually. Um, but nonetheless, it's like, this is a great opportunity to like collect a lot of great user data and see Mm -hmm. what works and what doesn't. 
Um, on Sunday, Sunday's usually like has a, um, a lot of fun panels and a lot of kid focused stuff. Uh, there's definitely like, there's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 30th anniversary or something. Dude, that uh, looks great. Like, can which, you imagine how fun that might be? But that's also got to be, I, you know, I just, as I said, oh, the film 30th anniversary. Gotcha. I was like, yeah. that comic yeah, yeah, yeah. like 40 years no, old. No, the film, and I would argue a film that still holds up. I mean, it, it was the most earnest sort of, I mean, dare I say dark, like it was, it was to the turtles as Batman begins. The Nolan Batman was to that. I mean, it's the same. It just, it was just so refreshing. You're like, Oh my God. And you watch it today. There's some things that feel dated, but a lot of that thing still holds mm. up incredibly well. And it was, it was independently produced. Um, mm. You know, like it, it was a big, huge gamble. And so the fact they took it that seriously is really like I'm, I mean, as a kid who that was my target market. I mean, I was target market for yeah. that thing. But just, I mean, even I mean, I am as objective as I can be when it comes to my my past because some of it just is garbage, you know, in terms of the content. But like that movie, oh my god, it's <laughs> well, I, it blows we, my mind that I mean, it makes sense that it's 30 years old, but it's like that's a crazy thing to think that the movie is 30. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, one thing I really wanted to highlight on Sunday is there's, there's a panel at 10 a.m. called Little Fish from uh. Physical to Digital, Thriving and Growing. And Little Fish Comic Book Studio, I was totally unaware of this until I got the programming, um, is a San Diego nonprofit comic studio and advocacy group. Okay. So that's one of the cool things about having this huge comic con situated in the city is that there are a lot of um, – you know, small nonprofits or businesses like oriented around comic creation and advocacy. And uh, so that um, I thought would be really interesting to watch. It says they're taking a look at what they've um, where they've been, the history of the studio and the impact of the pandemic on comic art making and the local community. Uh, so that felt like, oh, that's a real good local thing to do. And it's one of those that I can only imagine was probably in the San Diego library, which you if you have not seen is a gorgeous piece of architecture. Um, and I feel like that must have been programming that was in the library, you know, to like really focus on San Diego itself. Um, there's, like I said, like you could pick your track. If you were into cosplay, like just go through the schedule and highlight every cosplay panel, you know, you're going to get such good stuff. And because you're not there in person having to deal with all your like physical needs and just your exhaustion and what your friends want to do, it's like design your own program this year and just hit the stuff you want and then check back into the, you know, the secondary stuff. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, uh, uh, trying to look at this with, with hopeful eyes, you know, like, like what, how much can I take in and, and, um, and feel like a participant and like, I really got something good out of it. Yeah. Uh, there's one more piece that I, um, do, uh, hopefully annually, although I slip sometimes, um, and that is uh, support the comic book legal defense fund. Yes, so we've yes. called this out again at comic cons. They are always there being, they have a booth with tons of donated books, which are all signed by the creators. So you can get like your favorite creator, like a big names, you know, on a Batman book or something like, it's like, you know, the big two are in there. Um, we we always point out like we we had interviewed a couple of years ago. Oh my gosh, I want to say her name's Amanda and George at um. Uh, That's exactly right at okay. Muse Comics in Muse. Colorado Springs. And then I ran into her at San Diego Comic Con working this uh, CBLDF booth that same yeah. year. You know, yeah. um, but it is uh, 
yeah, cbldf.org. They're a First Amendment legal um, defense fund, um, specifically around comic books, which I know seems kind of niche and stuff, but they either uh, join onto lawsuits, I forget that term for being like, you know, um, when there is a big First Amendment case, but they also advocate a lot for literature in schools and um, banned books and and comic books that get rolled up into that. So it's like a you know really education focused um, First Amendment uh, advocacy advocacy group. Um, so yeah, I'll miss doing that, and I will make sure to um, re up my membership online. Um, although I I think I forgot to do it last year. I don't think I'm a current member. <laughs> Well, there you go. Great, great excuse. So, to, to, yeah, great to reason it. to go and do it. I won't miss seeing the Scientologists uh, disguised as a literature company. <laughs> oh my God! Is, does that happen at SCCC? Oh my God! Every year. So, <gasps> and it's what? like, because um, you know, their their chief uh, Imagineer. <laughs> That's what I'll call L. Ron Hubbard, <laughs> the guy that just. Imagine a crazy religion and a bunch of people <laughs> fell for it. Do not um, sully the good name of the Disney Imagineers by associating true, with that charlatan. True. How dare yeah, you? Exactly. Um, that pulp novelist, you know, he has so many stupid books that they've repackaged. And his name is like in, you know, 200 point font on the cover of every book. And they just sit there looking like a bunch of robots with the most like out of touch graphic design. And you're, you're like, who's falling for this, dude? Yeah. Um, I got interviewed one time, um, but this guy asked me to take a survey out in the hall at Comic-Con and it was, it was me and a friend that, um, and, uh, we're, we're standing there and he was like, so, you know, what, do you find this cover interesting or whatever? It was like about the art. We're like, Oh yeah, I guess so. It looks intriguing. You know, it's like kind of swashbuckler, uh, steampunky thing. And, and then he like, or do you like this one better? Do you like this? And he's swiping back and forth and he swipes to this one. And of course the L Ron Hubbard is in like giant font. We both went, Oh no. Oh God. We didn't know. And he was like, oh, well, what turned you off? And we're like, well, we know that idiot. Like, it's not, <laughs> He's, you know, the guy goes away all frustrated. It's dumb survey didn't work out. We um, know that idiot. We, we, you know, we know uh, what you're selling. Just to talk about other magic stuff that I, I wish I had been there to see this um, with the passing of Representative John Lewis last weekend, um, which you and I both, you know, felt like, wow, this is so much more impactful to us because we've read March. Yeah. Um, one of the cool stories that went around was when he went to comic con, um, to, you know, to be there to promote March, I guess is the, the right verb to use there. Um, he cosplayed as himself at the March. Did you know that? No. What so does that he even went look there, like? He went there in the trench coat and the backpack that he, or maybe not the actual ones, but dressed up like he was in all the photos from those marches. Whoa. And then, huh. I'm, oh my God, I'm like tearing up just thinking of this. Then um, he gathered all these kids together and <laughs> marched them around Comic-Con. Oh, like, that's like cool. Like led them in a march. Wow. It's, uh, I mean, just what a cool piece of magic that, you know, that happens there. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a, that's the thing we'll miss this year and yeah. certainly miss with, with his passing. Yeah. You know, I've mentioned to you uh, separately. I was just like, it's having read March. I'm glad I've read March already. Um, I'm sure many, and, and you know, no offense if you haven't yet. I mean, go, go get it. But a lot of people are now going to grab it in light of his passing, but it just, his pa Yeah, I was able to sort of digest that moment. I think yeah. even more so, because you know, I mentioned in that podcast, 
he come both in that book and in reality, he comes off like a, as like an American folk hero, like on the level of like, you know, Johnny Appleseed or Paul Bunyan or something. It's like John Lewis, like he needs like his oh, own yeah. song. And it's just, you know, like and then up until just a week or two ago, he was like still alive. Like, God, that this guy is still here. Like, yeah. are we do we not like I'm so glad that March exists to just get that story documented you know, very appropriately. Yeah. Um, you know, and just documented it all because it was compelling. Well. And oh, you know what? I, I just forgot. There was another panel that I wanted to mention, which was it's on Friday. It's at noon. Uh, we're talking Pacific time. Um, it's called History Goes Graphic. Mm. And it is specifically about that topic you and I have talked about, which is like, how do you depict r- real historical stories in a graphic format? And mm. I, I think it's up both of our alleys. Um, but yeah, Friday at noon. Uh, you know, that last year you've mentioned. Um, Oh my gosh. Uh, they called us enemy. Yeah. Um, and a, a couple of my friends went and got their copies signed by George Takei. And you know, it's, there's, there's all those sort of personal moments and I've, you know, I've mentioned, uh, meeting John Hodgman there and, and feeling like this is this guy that's enriched my life so much. And it's so cool to, to meet him in person and just, you know, even if it's just 10 seconds, you know, the yeah. ax cop kid and, uh, and, and, co-creator brother Ethan uh, just to, you know, to have met them at several cons and things like that is like, those, those are real special moments that I, I'm not going to get this year. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm subbing as best I can with all of this. <laughs> I think you've got a pretty good, I mean, I, both is just something new, but you've, you've really kind of covered a thorough, I mean, this is probably as fruitful a, a con as any, um, even though it's virtual. It's like, I, again, I'm sort of inspired by all this. I'm kind of, I'm going to, spend the rest of the evening crafting my, my watching schedule. And if there's something, you know, you, you, one thing you didn't mention, um, in your notes, you had buy exclusives, meh. So I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming exclusives at cons aren't really a thing for you. They're not really a pull. They're, they're funny because, um, I, on one hand, I always feel like I don't actually get any swag, but then I do have little pieces of swag that I obviously hang on to because they make other people jealous. Uh-huh. One of them is my Tina from Bob's Burgers hat, which is like this super cheap baseball cap, um, you know, like trucker's cap. It's just like the, the cheapest ever made, and it's just the top of her head on it. And every time I wear it to any geek-related event, people are like, oh, my gosh, that hat is so cool. It's just the top of her face. Um uh, there's a, you know, I, I sideshow collectibles always has these, they, they do one of those cool things where it's like, you got to get their booth first thing in the morning, they give out a hundred whatevers and then they're done, you know? So when you get it, you feel like I'm in that club, but then there's other things. Like I bought some D and D collectible pins last year and literally one of them was next to me on the desk, still in the <laughs> packaging. Cause I'm like, what am I going to put this D and D ampersand pin on? You know, <laughs> why, why did I fall for this being an exclusive? And I mean, I'm sure it was exclusive that week <laughs> to con, but after that, you know, it's men probably who, like in the, it. in the forties collected pins and they have like their sashes with their pins and yeah. you're like, Oh God. And they're so proud of their pins, Todd. And then you're just like, and then, you know, you get brought in. It's like, can I show you my pins? And you're like, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm not, gonna pretend that's not me <laughs> but it's fun you know uh, it's one of those things that's just missing from physical experience right now i have a i have a D bag that like when i go play at game shops and stuff that's the bag i always throw the dice and the books and the sheets in and it has those pins on it you know it has the things that identify me as a geek on it and mm-hmm. that hasn't been out of the house in six months so it's like huh you know yeah. um yeah well 
all that to be said, I think that was pretty thorough. I, if you know, uh, if you listening or you know, if it's still Comic Con and you've kind of crafted your own your own schedule and you're proud of it, let us know or share that somehow. You can reach us on Instagram or panelism inc it's panelism.ink on instagram and that's probably the best way to reach us just send us a direct message there i was trying to think if there was anything else besides just that in the feed but I, that's that's all instagram is todd it's just it's just that i know and we're, we're can, at panelism.inc which is a website address and you can right. subscribe to us there we're on every major platform now are we on wait are we on spotify we are we have been on spotify for nice. several months uh cool. right now yeah that finally was addressed uh, yeah. And actually, Spotify is where I only listen to podcasts now. So I'm, I know we've had. I'm glad we are there because I'd be pissed if we weren't. Yeah, we've had a big uh, conversation, but we're also on that other one that we like, which Luminary or whatever. We're there. Uh, yeah, but, we are. Yeah. Which is, you know, quick shout out to Luminary. They've got uh, that's the exclusive Russell Brand podcast home, among other things. But um, they charge you to use it, and yeah. not and that. Well, I'm sorry, they don't charge you to use it for like listening to us, but they charge for like the Russell Brand podcast. But yeah. then. A lot of podcasts that you that are popular that you probably listen to everywhere else are not available there for some weird reason. So like Kevin Smith is a great example. None of the smod stuff is there for nope, I I don't know. Distribution work, what's going on? Anyway. Well, and um, we're on Stitcher, which is my yeah. go to app. Um so yeah. Stitcher. <laughs> Stitcher. Well that was this great episode. I'm gonna go play my newly hooked up Super Nin- uh Super Nintendo Mario oh World. Uh, I resurrected that from my parents' house this last weekend. Oh, that's fine. amazing. It's been several years. It still works because I keep good, good care of my stuff, but it's uh, it's dodgy. You know, to, to try to have to have re- you... re-glue that to a modern HDMI TV has not been easy. I was going to say, you plugged it into an HDTV, so you've got pixels the size of your fist, right? Like... I have, uh, dude, on another episode, I will explain what I did because it's actually I actually lifted it from two, I combined the solution from two YouTube videos, oh and the translation is wonderful. Like, you'd be surprised. I can't wait to hear this. Let's do yeah. games next time, because I'm yes. dying to talk about some tabletop RPGs. So, uh, yeah, that would be great. We'll just cover analog, old, old digital, and uh, games. I love it. I love it. Until then. Thank you.